0: This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, episode 16. Interviews with Chelsea Flower Show garden designers and gardening jobs and plants of interest for July.
1: Plantadvice.co.uk for all your
2: gardening needs.
0: Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. This is the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. Coming up in this episode, we've got four remaining interviews from Chelsea Flower Show in May that we did with Hugo Bug, Matthew Childs, Cleve West and Harry and David Rich. We have our plant of the month, which for July is Cosmos bipinatus, commonly known as Cosmos. We have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden. And plants of note for July are Rosa hot chocolate and Lavendula angustifolia hitcut, an English lavender. Your questions, we have a question about splitting palm trees, in particular a cordyline. And we have forthcoming garden and flower shows for the month of July. Now, before we move on with the rest of the podcast, first of all, I've got a small announcement to make. If you've listened to this podcast before, you might have noticed something a little different. Usually, there's two people here, George and myself. Now, George is the co-host, or has been the co-host before, and George, unfortunately, is the one that knows all about the gardening. He is the horticultural expert. I'm just a, an interesting amateur, for want of a better word. Now, unfortunately, George, due to other family and personal commitments, has decided he can't really dedicate the time to the podcast. But I've decided I do want to continue with the podcast, I do enjoy it, and I've got a lot of feedback from people saying they really enjoyed the podcast. So I am looking for a new co-host. So if you're out there and you might be interested and you've got a good knowledge of horticulture then please let me know. You can email me at podcast at plantadvice.co.uk. Or if you think there's somebody else that might be interested, you know, please pass a message on and get them to have a listen to the podcast and let me know. As I say, I really do enjoy doing this and I get a lot of satisfaction when I hear other people I've got satisfaction from the podcast and found it helpful. So please do spread the word around because I really would love to continue. Although I might struggle a little bit. This is my first time on my own. And as I say, I'm not a horticultural expert, but I will do my very best based on the notes that George gives me every month. So, moving swiftly on, last month's podcast in episode 15, which you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 15, we did some interviews with garden designers at this year's Chelsea Flower Show. We had four interviews in last month's podcast, and we've got another four interviews to continue in this month's podcast. Now, Chelsea entered its 101st year this year. It's in its second centenary, and that's pretty good going, I think, for a flower show, And the first person that I spoke to for these following batch of interviews was a young garden designer called Hugo Bug, and it was his first time exhibiting at Chelsea, which I'm sure must be a pretty nervous affair for anybody, let alone the first time. I asked Hugo if it was a bit nerve-wracking being on Main Avenue for his first time at Chelsea.
1: It is pretty nervous. The judges haven't been yet, so I'm still nervous. But, I'm sure um, you'll do very well. Thank you very much. What
0: made you come up with this concept of the garden, with the water?
1: Well, it's the, for the Royal Bank of Canada, and they've got a, it's for their Blue Water project, um, which is about conserving water, and this garden specifically looks into storm water and how we can manage it and take responsibility for it and keep it within our own gardens. So the idea is that the water actually just flows through the garden, it slows it down, it stores it, and it encourages it to seep into the ground rather than go down into urban drainage systems. How practical do you think something like this would be in a back garden? Well, I think it's, it is practical, the paving, is permeable, the walkways all have you know, holes in to allow the water to filter through, and in the end the day it's, you know, day it's, it's a lovely garden, but the plants um, are more you know more ornamental planting, so it would work in the garden. It
0: looks very elegant as a nice water feature as well, doesn't it? Yes. So it serves two purposes, serving water, storing it, and then you've got a beautiful pond or pool. Exactly,
1: and it increases biodiversity as well. And how long did it take you to sort of plan and come up with the idea well, for we've this? we've been designing it and editing it right since September, really, last year. So, constant. And have you exhibited other shows before at I've Chelsea? done Hampton Court and Tatton Park, yes. But the first time at Chelsea? First time at Chelsea. And straight onto Main Avenue as well? Exactly. I know, it's exciting. You jump in the deep end, literally, don't you? the <laughs> best way.
0: Well, I think it's a very elegant garden. I really love the planting. And the concrete with all the broken paving's, it looks really nice, but like you say, it serves two purposes, doesn't it? Because it lets the water drain away. It does, yeah. Which I think we could all learn a bit from. Hugo, thank you ever so much. I hope you do really well for
1: your first time at Chelsea. Thank you very much. Will you be back again next year? Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope so. Thank, <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.
0: Well, I think Hugo did remarkably well. He got a gold for his first time at Chelsea. And a very interesting theme to his garden trying to show us how to be careful with water we think water is such an abundant resource well perhaps in the uk it is sometimes we do have some very wet weather we also have dry periods and i know in other areas of the world water can be a very scarce resource so we do have to be careful with it so i think hugo's garden really did highlight a key point Now, the second person I spoke to at this year's Chelsea Flower Show, again, was a first-time garden designer at Chelsea, although he has exhibited before at the Hampton Court Flower Show. His name is Matthew Childs, and he designed the Bruin and Dolphin Garden. So, Matthew, first time exhibiting at Chelsea. You've done Hampton Court a few times, haven't
2: you? I've done two gardens at Hampton Court. Uh, one in 2012, which is a conceptual garden. Uh, that was my first one, which was... That's what kind of hooked me, I think, into, into it. And then last year I did a garden for Ecover. We've seen both of those at Hampton Court, yes. Oh, I grace. remember going through the tunnel. It I was uh,
0: from light to dark. Well, uh, no, from dark to light. it was the right way round. It,
2: it was. It was a bit light at the end of the tunnel, um, it was called. So, yeah, for, it went from a darker space within a tunnel. And as you went through the garden, um, the path got wider. The structure started to open up and there was more light and the planting became denser. So, yeah, it was all about kind of as you go down a path and it's this kind of idea of a journey of recovery.
0: And that was symbolic of your recovery after the London bombings, wasn't it? That's right. Yes, And what
2: made you reconsider and go into gardening design? Well, I suppose that event in itself made me kind uh, kind of have a think about what life was all about and, you know, making the most of it. But then I came to Chelsea in 2007 for the first time, walking down Main Avenue. And I suppose garden design as a profession had never really been on my... The radar and I was like wow this is what I want to do. It's like kind of you know this real eureka moment. What was your previous career then? I was in advertising before, and I was suited and booted, <laughs> selling other people's creative ideas. And I think really, um, I always wanted to have a, a more creative role myself. Always been in the garden. Always loved gardening. So I guess I just kind of put those two things together. Thing. Yeah.
0: And I'm taking it. You don't regret your decision at all. No,
2: I'm loving it. It's been brilliant. Absolutely amazing. This must have
0: been a bit of a roller coaster ride coming to Chelsea and doing a. a go- garden on the main avenue here because these are huge undertakings by anyone's standards
2: it's been a really nerve-wracking experience you know because as you said it is a really big deal and I never expected to have this opportunity this quickly but um, I've seen it as such a challenge I just wanted to really do my best and that's kind of be my approach really and I'm really happy with the garden that we've ended up with it's exactly what I had in my head and uh, what I want to achieve. What is
0: your concept behind
2: this garden? So the client I'm working for is Brewing Dolphin and there's a key theme which is nurturing potential for the future. The garden is all about kind of um, new opportunities and I've kind of taken inspiration from spring um, and kind of a, a fresh spring morning in, in particular where you've got this very tranquil time very considered reflective time but then the, around every corner there's this kind of emerging opportunity and possibility so you've got a zigzag path that goes through the garden through two big large copper patinated archways and as you go through the garden you kind of discover new opportunities new spaces in which to sit and, and enjoy the garden
0: Well I think the garden looks lovely Thank you. Where to after this?
2: Um, holiday.
0: Holiday. <laughs> I'm sure you deserve a well earned rest Thank you very much Matthew.
2: Thank you, cheers Thank
0: you. Well, I think Matthew's design was very elegant. It really was lovely. Unfortunately, he fell shy of gold and he got a silver gilt this year, but I'm sure he'll be back again. He's definitely a garden designer to watch for the future. Now, watching TV this week, I saw a programme and they quoted an interesting statistic. The statistic was that in the UK, an average Briton spends just one hour per week in the garden. Now, that sounds very low to me. Perhaps you listening to this podcast, I'm sure you'll spend a lot more time in the garden. But for an average of an hour in the garden... That really is quite tragic. A garden is a beautiful place to be. It's a little piece of paradise, somewhere you can get away from the world and the hubbub around and really relax. And speaking of paradise gardens and little piece of paradise, I spoke to Cleve West at this year's Chelsea Flower Show. Now, he is a seasoned professional. He's exhibited and designed at Chelsea many years in the past and won gold previously. He designed this year's M&G Garden, which
3: was a paradise garden.
0: Cleve back at Chelsea. Yeah, You had a year off last year, didn't you? I had
3: a year off. It didn't seem like long enough, but yeah. I'm So, what
0: made you take a year off last year
3: and then decide to come back? Well, I'd done. You remember I did the 2011 for the Telegraph. That was a lovely garden. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that garden. And then another one in 2012, Brewing Dolphin, and now. I thought do I want to do three years in a row and I thought no (laughs) so um, it didn't seem sensible and so I thought I'd have a year out but I had this sort of idea on the back burner and and it kept nagging away so So when I was asked
0: this is a paradise garden isn't
3: it it's a paradise garden it's based on that sort of theme Um, the idea is that the ancient paradise gardens of over 2,000 years ago used things like water and shade and plants and enclosure to make these sort of an oasis away from the hostile desert environment and in that respect not much has changed you know we really do rely on all those elements to make a little piece of tranquility
0: in your own back garden that's it and the world outside is the harsh desert that's it well
3: yeah well the world the harsh desert now is cameras yeah computers phones all that the garden allows you to get away from all that and it's so valuable and i'm only really appreciating that um now as I'm now a veteran, officially okay, very people very keep calling me a veteran. So I it's amazing how much it um, helps with well-being and just. And how
0: do you come up with a planting idea for something like likes? Where do you start?
3: Planting idea. Well, I, what I wanted to do was trying to accentuate this cool space in the middle, which is very sort of blues, so whites, blues and, and purples. Yeah. So in order to do that, I wanted the very sort of harsher, stronger colours at the front. You know, yellows and reds and oranges so I've created that gravel garden it where we could plant seems a more plants. arid sort of area Yes front, that's right it? so really it's a nod to the desert environment yeah. that Paradise Gardens were trying to be a retreat from but it also helps to accentuate when you're walking through that space down into here it accentuates that feeling you're coming to something cooler
0: How many different types of plants have you put in here?
3: Ah oh, that's a good question I've got but no I'm idea not- Got well, no idea. Certainly,
0: um, at the front garden, there's a, a quite an eclectic mix of plants.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it is an eclectic, and that's deliberate because what we do in England so well is to gather plants from all around the world, mix we them do, up. Yeah, and the
0: Victorian plant collectors across the world. Yeah, exactly. Most of the plants we've got in the garden, I'm sure, are not indigenous to the UK.
3: No, no, exactly. Because I, I had a real angst moment when I couldn't find any Persian ironwoods, you know, um, for trees. I want, well, and then I was thinking about quince or medlar. I wanted yeah. something to related to Persia yeah. and I couldn't find anything good enough and then I found these zelkovas, and I thought, a Japanese tree in a Persian influenced garden and I thought, well of course, because it's an English garden that's what we do best in yeah. England yeah. so um, I had no qualms they're not about They're down the th- no, th- they no they won't, no, no I do hope not no, no. <laughs> We well, always
0: like your gardens because they're always very classically inspired and very elegant
3: Well, thank you very much. This is quite um, a very geometric space. I'm not not one for formality normally, but um, yeah. Well, I suppose
0: the front is you breaking away.
3: Then is it a a little bit? Yeah, a bit of chaos in (laughs) the front. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, well spotted.
0: Lovely garden. I, I really like it. I love the cool colours. Very tranquil today on a nice hot English Mm. summer's afternoon. I'm sure you will do well. We don't need to say, do we? Well, thank you very much. We'll see. We will keep our eye on the medals. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) I
3: might have done something really bad uh, at the back. Are you going to
1: come back again next year?
3: No, I don't think it will. Not not next year. Not Chelsea? And do
0: you do any the other shows, like Hampton Court, for example? No,
3: I think one's enough a year. I don't blame you. Yeah.
0: Well, good luck anyway. Thank you ever so much. All right, Thank you. Thank you. I always like Cleve's gardens. I think they are very elegant. And Cleve impressed the judges yet again and got gold, and deservedly so. A little piece of paradise, and we can all learn from this... A garden is a haven from the world where you can switch off and forget about the world around you. And I believe the origins of the word paradise come from a Persian word which means walled garden. And in years gone by, the Persian gardens were walled to fend off the harsh, arid land and they could protect the plants from the drying winds and have a water feature which also irrigated the plants. So that's the derivation of paradise, which I think is a fairly accurate representation of reality. I do think My little garden is a piece of paradise and I'm sure most keen gardeners would agree with me. And finally, I spoke to Harry and David Rich, who last year exhibited the first time for Chelsea with an artisan garden called Ian Garag, for which they won a gold medal. This year, they did a garden called Vital Earth, the Night Sky Garden, which took its inspiration from the beautiful night skies in the Brecon Beacons in Wales, where they have very clear skies, not much light pollution, so they can really see in the stars. This is what the guys had to say to me so welcome back boys last year was your debut at chelsea in the artisan gardens and you got gold yeah which was stunning for the first year you oh, must have been over the
4: moon yeah we were and now you're
0: in big boy land you're in the <laughs> main yeah. avenue how do you feel I
4: think yeah it's, it's wonderful to be here it's so nice to be on, on main avenue where it's so busy whereas Arsene is quite quiet
2: around there yeah, it is quiet in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. quite nice when it's so busy <laughs> Thank you. well, yes you're in the
0: limelight now yeah, aren't you yeah. and how did you manage to make the jump from there to here because you Just need big kind of, budgets for this sort of stuff yeah
4: well luckily the same sponsor that sponsors for um, Artisan sponsors for this one as well it wasn't the biggest of budgets but it was mm-hmm. enough to make it happen so yeah. I really appreciated most, everything yeah, most things from Wales
0: but you've been very passionate about your homeland haven't you yes. Brecon Beacons and you first one in Garrig that was about one stone in yeah. on your landscape. You've got the same sort of dry stone here as well, but you've gone for a star theme this time.
4: Yeah, well the Brecon beacons were given a night sky
0: status. Ah, so that's where so the inspiration Again, came yeah, from. yeah, again, back to Brecon. <laughs> yeah, well, you get no light pollution I guess there, so you yeah, can really very, see, very little, see the yeah, stars. Yeah. So having a theme like that, where do you start?
4: We always say the colour black, <laughs> just because <laughs> it's easy. But, but no, I mean, there's so many elements within it, not very kind of literal elements maybe so like the big boulders um, we wanted to represent the fallen meteors right. we've got two reflection pools which we wanted to kind of portray as the empty space of a black hole yeah. so they're dyed black and then you can really see the reflection of the sky above and the planting around the skeleton of the design is loosely based on star constellations so a few of the shapes and the benches all work together with that and with our cobbled path in the centre of the garden there's five points that lead off like the five points of a star
0: and it's very subtle in its colour, isn't it? Predominantly white with a few other colours. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. so we wanted to um, kind of represent the feeling of the Milky Way. So really starry, just with tones of maybe orange and blues that just catch your eye throughout the garden.
0: And you've gone for cow parsley as well. Oh, oh I love that. It. It. Yeah, <laughs> <family. laughs> it is a stunning plant. And when you look close to it, the flowers are amazing. But most people would never, ever think of it in no. the garden. We always think, eat, yeah. It's a weed. Yeah, yeah. But a weed is just a plant in the wrong place, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully
4: it's in the right place in this garden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really does mimic the stars, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's got so and many... W- and wafting um, and cloudy. And... Yeah. So uh, what do you think you are going to get? Any? Oh, no, we don't, don't know.
4: Even, I don't really mind. We've done our best. Yeah.
0: It's a massive step up, so it is a huge step up. We'll be isn't happy it? with a medal. No, well,
4: yeah. I sure we like I'm sure you will, I'm
0: sure you do well. Uh, are you uh, planning on coming back again next year? We, we, I,
4: that's the plan. We'd, we'd, we'd love, to. love to if, we if you've got, we were got able a taste to, right yeah. now, haven't you? We've learned so much, I think. Yeah, so, bike. Bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so
0: uh, we've only
4: got a couple of ideas that <laughs> I,
0: much, so. I loved your garden last year, really elegant, very simple, and this is beautiful as well. So we hope you do come back next year. Thank you. We really look forward to seeing what you guys do. Oh, cheers. And good luck for the medals. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, they didn't quite get gold, but they did get silver gilt, which I think is an amazing achievement for anybody at Chelsea. The standards are so phenomenally high and theirs was a very, very beautiful garden interesting planting lots of beautiful flowers very frothy whites and in common with a lot of gardens in chelsea they also used the common cow parsley which we do think of as a weed but if you call it by its proper latin name anthriscus sylvestris it doesn't sound quite so weedy does it you can get away with it then Now, the plant of the month for July is Cosmos bipinnatus, commonly known as Cosmos. Now, we haven't just chosen one particular cultivar, but gone for the species, and there are many cultivars produced in this species. The species is actually native to Mexico, which gives you a bit of a clue as to the environment that it likes. It is a frost tender annual and likes full sun. The ancient Greek word cosmos actually means beautiful, so that's where the cosmos gets its name from. It grows quite tall, up to about 1.5 metres, with a spread of about half a metre, but being so tall, staking may well be required, particularly if you've got quite a bit of wind. They have an average growth rate and need moderately fertile and moist and well-drained soil. They do have a long flowering period, they can flower from June to October with large, showy saucer-shaped flowers but they do need deadheading like so many plants to keep them flowering repeatedly through to the end of the season. Like I said before they have many cultivars produced and many of these cultivars also have the RHS Perfect for Pollinators award which means they're a good plant to have in your garden to attract the bees and the butterflies. Being an annual, in the UK you need to plant them in early spring by sowing shallowly in seed trays and keep them under glass, transplanting them out into individual pots when they're large enough to handle. But they do need hardening off before planting outside, after the frosts have passed. Alternatively, you can sow them in situ, but you need to do that in late spring, in a well-prepared bed, and thin out as they grow, allowing approximately 30 centimetres between each plant. As the seedlings grow, pinch out the tips to encourage the bushier plants of the many cultivars that are available a few are of particular interest Purity for example has pure white saucer shaped flowers and grows up to about 1.2 metres tall Dazzler is another nice cultivar and grows up to 1 metre tall and has bright red flowers Flowers of Rubenza another cultivar grows up to about 0.9 metres tall emerges with deep velvet red from the bud but when they mature they become a lighter rich rose colour and another nice cultivar is Sensation picoti, which grows up to about 1.2 meters tall and has soft pinkish white flowers with a rich crimson edge to them. The foliage of the cosmos is also very interesting. It's very feathery as well, which is quite nice when the flower is growing up before it actually flowers. I've grown them in the garden before, and they really are beautiful flowers. Quite tall, so perhaps them towards the back of a border, but with the feathery foliage and the big, wide flowers popping over in bright colour when they come out, they really are a gorgeous addition to any border.
2: Jobs to do in the garden.
0: Now, jobs to do in the garden for July. First thing you can do is lift and divide irises. Irises that haven't been split for a few years can become a bit tired and lose their strength and vigour, which can affect their flowering performance. So dig up the clumps, select the best plumpest rhizomes, and replant them with a good space between each of them, having added some well-rotted compost or manure to the soil beforehand. Finally, cut back the tall foliage by about half, as this stops them rocking around too much in the wind as they reroot, and also reduces the amount of evaporation of water from the leaf surface. You can also collect seed at this time of year, and save it and store it from your favourite plants, such as Aquilegia and Primula. They'll set themselves about the garden on their own, but if you collect the seed beforehand, you can have a bit more of a say as to where you put them and how they colonise. So, as soon as the seed is ripe. Now is also a good time to lift and store spring bulbs, such as daffodils and tulips. You don't have to do this every year, but it is a good routine to get into if you want to create more spring colour around the garden. So you need to dig up the bulbs and remove any young bulbs grown from the sides of the larger ones and store them all for replanting in the autumn. If there's any diseased or unhealthy looking bulbs, chuck them away. You don't want to be using those. Now's also a good time to trim and shape your hedges. If you've left this job until now, then that's good because the birds have had chance to raise their young and hopefully have fled the nest by now. So you shouldn't have any risk of disturbing any of the birds. If you're going on holiday, it seems to be the holiday season this time of year you may need to give a bit of thought to watering while you're away. We'll have a link on the show notes to this episode at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 16. And this link will take you to an article we've got on the website of a few different options for automatic watering or things you can do to make sure your plants are well watered while you're away so you don't come back to a wilted mess and have lost all your expensive plants, which would be a crying shame. Now's also a good time to cut delphiniums after they've flowered if you cut them right back to the base you can possibly get a second flush of flowers later on in the year in autumn time early autumn although they won't be as strong as the first flush but it'll still be nice to see if you've got any flowers again a bit too tall and toppling over a little bit good time to tie them to stakes Bamboo canes are a good idea or you can get lots of good stakes from garden centres now which you can plant into the ground and provide decent support for any tall plant. Deadheading is something to do regularly at this time of year which encourages more flower growth because it stops the plant putting the energy into producing seeds and it might try again to put a few more flowers out. Not only that, removing the spent flowers, they can look a little bit unsightly so taking them away means the flower still looks quite pretty. Regular lawn mowing at this time of the year is also essential. The grass does grow quite quickly, particularly if we've had a bit of rain. If it is very dry, however, it's a good idea to raise the height of the lawn mower so you don't cut it too short. And while you're cutting the lawn, a good idea to trim the border edges to make the lawn look really nice and neat. Roses need spraying regularly against green fly and black spot as well. Black spot is the scourge of the rose. It's a fungus which grows on the leaf and can really reduce the performance of a rose. So it's a good idea to get a spray and do that once a year. Greenhouses may also need dampening down on the paths inside to create a really humid atmosphere that pests such as red spider mite, for example, don't like. At this time of year, hanging baskets and containers really do need watering regularly as it's quite hot and they lose a lot of moisture They also require feeding, and this really does help them because in a small container, they can really exhaust the nutrients quite quickly. I've got a lovely olive trainer container, for example. We didn't feed it last year, we should have done, and this year we have fed it, and it has really blossomed this year. It's really come into its own, so it does make a big difference to feed your containers and pots. Many of your flowers in the garden can also be cut now and dried for winter arrangements. You can hang them upside down in a nice airy place inside, perhaps an airing cupboard or a dry garage. And suitable plants for this can include bergamots, lavender and teasel. In the vegetable garden garden at this time of year, you should be looking to sow seeds outside of lettuce, radish, carrots, turnips, beetroot, spinach, Swiss chard and cabbage. And the best part as well is the harvest time. And at this time of year, you can be looking at harvesting rhubarb, peas, French beans, tomatoes, onions, radish, carrots, turnips, beetroot, spinach, cauliflowers, cabbages, lettuce, globe artichokes, broad beans, runner beans, garlics, shallots, marrows, courgettes, cucumbers, potatoes, calabrese, broccoli and Swiss chard. If you get all that in one go, you are going to have a monster meal, aren't you? A lovely time of year when all your hard work pays off when you can start harvesting all that fresh fruit and veg. Plants of No. Now, plants of note. The first plant we've got of interest for this time of year, July, is Rosa Hot Chocolate. It's a hardy floribunda rose, and actually won Novelty Rose of the Year in 2006. Quite what it means by novelty rose, I really am a bit bemused by. It is a lovely rose, and it's an interesting colour. It's red, but it does have that sort of chocolatey tinge to it which makes a little bit different so maybe that's why they're calling novelty but i don't understand it because it's really not anything bizarre or weird it is one that i've got in the front garden and it's really nice it has a fast growth rate so you can get it established quite quickly grows to about one meter tall with one meter spread and does like full sun it likes moist or well-drained fertile soil, and the buds start off with a rusty orange color, but when they open up, they become a rich, velvety brown sort of color. Red with a sort of brown tinge, difficult to describe really unless you see it. It flowers from June to August, and the foliage is most roses glossy dark green leaves. It is easy to grow variety and it's got good disease resistance. Like a lot of roses, should be pruned from late winter to early spring and also has a strong fragrance, a good all round performer. The second plant of note for July is Lavandula and Gustifolia, Hidcot, an English lavender. Now, I always like to know the derivation of some of the Latin names. I think it does help to understand and remember some of the plant names. Now, the word lavendula is derived from Latin for wash, a reference to how the Greeks and Romans used to use this plant as an additive in their bathing water. And the species name angustifolia is Latin for narrow leaf, which is typical of a lavender. This particular lavender was previously known as lavender officinalis, referring to its medicinal properties, but is now known as angustifolia. Now this lavender is quite a compact form of the popular English lavender, and it's named after plantsman Lawrence Johnston's famous arts and crafts garden in Gloucestershire, Hidcote Manor, and this is where the cultivar name comes from, Hidcote it's a hardy evergreen shrub and like most lavenders drought tolerant it has an average growth rate and grows up to about 0.6 meters tall and a 0.75 meters spread again like most lavenders it likes full sun moderately fertile but well-drained soil they don't like their feet getting really wet its flowers are a very deep violet and it flowers from july to september and as in all lavenders has really aromatic silvery gray leaves The lavender flower stalk should be cut back after the flowers have faded and you can carefully trim back in spring. But take care not to cut back into the old wood. They don't tend to respond too well if you do cut the old wood. Not always the case. I have had a lavender I've cut back and it has responded, but something to be a bit wary of. This particular cultivar of lavender does also have the RHS Award of Garden Merit, so it's a good all-round performer, and it has the RHS Perfect for Pollinators Award, which means the bees and the butterflies love it. Your questions. Now, your questions. This month we had a question from Ian, and he says... As a result of that prolonged winter three years back, we lost our palm trees. However, we cut them to ground level and they've regrown, but have numerous trunks. Can these be split? Now, Ian, I think, is actually talking about a cordline, And cordline new trunks will be growing from the old original trunks. It is quite a common thing that cordlines can be hit by harsh winters. And if you cut them right back to the base, they will sprout up again invariably, which has happened in Ian's case here. The old trunk and the points at which the new trunk are protruding will be very woody, however, and it's probably not really possible to split them. That's something you need to do with herbaceous perennial plants, really, not trees with a woody stem, or semi-woody in the case of a cordyline. You could chop off each new trunk and try dipping them in some rooting hormone powder and see if they root in some potting compost. The hormones give that a go, but it It's not guaranteed really because they are really quite a woody plant. So I hope that answers your question, Ian. Now, unfortunately, as George, my previous co host on the podcast, has decided he can't really afford the time to continue with this, it's probably best if I don't ask for any more questions for the moment, as I don't really think my horticultural knowledge is up to answering really in depth questions. Hopefully in the future I can find a new co-host which will have a good horticultural knowledge and will be able to take questions again, but I'm afraid for the moment it's probably best if we don't. Now, forthcoming garden and flower shows. We're still in the busy season for flower and garden shows, and from the 8th to 13th of July, it is the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show 2014. This is actually the largest flower show in the world, taking up 33 acres, three times larger than Chelsea. Not as prestigious as Chelsea, but if it's your first show you're considering going to, I can highly recommend Hampton Court. I really do enjoy Hampton Court. Not quite the same as Chelsea, But for a gardener's gardening show, I think Hampton Court is one of the best. And later on in the month, up north in the UK, in Cheshire, we have from the 24th to 27th of July, the RHS Tatton Park Flower Show 2014. And again, that has a unique feature all of its own. And one particular feature it does have spectacularly well is council flower beds, which is really something different, but quite entertaining what the councils do come up with to show what can be done with flowers and simple bedding. Well, that's about it for this episode. My first solo show without having George to help me out with the horticultural parts, unfortunately. But as I said at the beginning of the show, I am looking for a new co-host. So if you're interested or you know anybody else that is interested and does have a good horticultural knowledge please do let me know. You can email me at podcast at plantadvice.co.uk. In the meantime, do get out and enjoy your garden. That's what it's all about. It's a glorious time of year, particularly here in UK. All the show notes for this episode and links to things we've talked about and some of the plants you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 16. You can also follow us online on Twitter at PlantAdvice or look at some of the photos of the past flower shows we've been to on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash plantadvice. So that's all for this episode. Thank you ever so much for listening and I hope you'll listen again next month. Until then, it's goodbye from me and don't forget to enjoy your garden.
2: podcast
1: was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs